0: Um, as we continue this series in, in forgiveness today, I was thinking about it this week, and I really feel like there's two camps when it comes to a series on forgiveness. Um, there's the camp where, man, this is going to be a really hard series. Forgiveness is really challenging. It's a really challenging, touchy subject in my life. And then there's the people who think they've got forgiveness down. <laughs> You know, I think there's kind of these two, two camps. You know, for, for some of us, forgiveness is really hard to talk about, right? There's, there's wounds that have kind of shaped our life and, and that are, are painful to revisit, painful to go back to. And, and there may still be some unresolved hurt that we're trying to figure out in our lives that we still struggle with. Um, we we can be shaped by those wounds like a lot of our life can be shaped by those wounds whether it's an abuse of marriage whether it's a divorce whether it's a betrayal of some kind whether it's lies spoken against us whether it's sexual abuse all those things have a huge impact on our life and so when we talk about forgiveness that's weighty to a lot of people um, then there's then there's people maybe on the other camp where forgiveness is so, oh this is going to be a light series you know light series on forgiveness, you know maybe we think well you know I don't have any you know extending debts in my life I feel like I've got good relationships I feel like I've checked the box on forgiveness it's almost like we think forgiveness is sort of an easy A in in the Christian life it's like ah oh, it's easy forgiveness is easy. And uh, if you're one of these people, I just want to share a little bit because sometimes I, I feel that way too. Have you ever had a, a class that was like an easy A? Like a, in college? Yes. My first semester in college, I took a class, I kid you not, it was called walking and jogging. <laughs> it was called walking and jogging. It taught you how to walk and how to jog. Running was too hard. <laughs> Running was, was way too hard. We're just gonna focus on the walking and jogging, so I, I literally got credit for something we l- do every day. Um, and and what this was, you might think like, well, is it is it teaching you a proper form? No, no, it isn't. Is it kinesthetics? Do you get into like how can you have low impact on your knees? Nothing. It was the baseball coach of our school who literally said, okay, we're gonna walk around this track for thirty minutes, and then you can go home. And it's like we get credit for it. And the the, the funniest part was the final. So the final, we're in Oregon, and it, it's raining. Surprise, right? Surprise. <laughs> he's like, so we, we get to the final. We're, we're, we're talking to the coach, and he's like, hey, it's raining today. Do you guys want to walk? And someone said, no. And he's like, all right, you can all go home. You all get A's. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Well, I guess I'll walk home. That'll be my contribution to this <laughs> final. But it's it's that idea of an easy A. And I wonder if sometimes in the Christian li- life, we overlook forgiveness, right? We just kind of overlook it. We assume it's easy. We assume it's an easy A. Like, I don't have any outstanding debts in my life. It's pretty good. We can move on to the more important things in the Christian faith. And we just kind of overlook forgiveness. And what I've found as I've been preparing for this series is that there's a lot of, uh, of leaders in the church and books that, that kind of overlook forgiveness. It's like, hey you know, we don't really need to talk about forgiveness. We need to talk about being better disciples, or we need to do more, or we need to serve more, or we need to, um, you know, talk more about about serving in, in difficult areas. But it's almost like they gloss over this idea of forgiveness. And the thing of it is, is being a follower of Christ and forgiving, as we'll see today, they are interlocked. You can't do one without the other. You can't follow Christ and not have forgiveness be a major part of your life. And what we'll see is Jesus clearly teaches that. There is no following without forgiveness. There is no following Christ without forgiveness. As we know, being a Christian is not like a walking and jogging class. It is not an easy A. It's hard, right? Right? It's hard. It's this choice every day that I'm going to follow Jesus, even when he calls me to forgive and be gracious to people that, frankly, I don't like, (laughs) right? I have to have grace for people that I don't like, or I don't understand, or people who've hurt me. And Jesus calls us to grace in that. And so my question, the question of today as we look at the Lord's Prayer and forgiveness is, are we forgetting about forgiveness, Are we forgetting about forgiveness? Are we forgetting how important it is to each of our lives? Are we forgetting how beautiful forgiveness is? There's nothing more powerful than redemption and forgiveness. And are we forgetting that Jesus chose forgiveness as his way to change the world? Jesus chose forgiveness as his way to change the world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of forgiveness and restoration. So we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer. But to set that up, uh, we're going to talk about where Jesus uh, Jesus gave this prayer. He's speaking to his disciples, his followers, um, the men that he chose to, to, uh, to lead for a season, the 12 disciples. He leads them up to a mountain, and he's teaching them how to live differently. And we call this the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, Brian preached part of that message talking about, um, talking about loving our enemies, which, again, is, is forgiveness, is grace, loving our enemies. But it got crazier than even that. Uh, Jesus spells it out. He says, If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them also. That would, that would mean, like, if someone insults you, let them. Let them insult you. He says... If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Coats are more expensive than shirts, especially back then. He's saying, yeah, let people take your earthly possessions. So Jesus is preaching a radical form of forgiveness that accepts insults and being swindled. It offers instant forgiveness. And so Jesus' way focuses on the gain treasure in the kingdom of God versus treasure here on Earth, and again, as we talk about forgiveness, I just want to reiterate something that Brian said last week that I think is really important to clarify. Uh, Jesus is not saying stay in an abusive relationship, like if you're in an abusive marriage or something like that. He's not advocating for that. Stay with someone who's who's unsafe. Um, no, this is this is talking about a principle of living a life. Of forgiveness towards others, so I just want to clarify that before we continue, because forgiveness is is not just something we do; it's a state that we live in. I mean, that sounded weird, maybe not like Washington. There's not like a state of forgiveness that you can drive to, um, but um, but we live in forgiveness. We live in the forgiveness of the cross that Jesus provided. We walk every day in forgiveness. It's a lifestyle. Grace is a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. And what I've realized is that if I'm not pursuing forgiveness, my amount of grace is pretty small mm-hmm. towards others. If I'm, not, if I'm not living with that, like, mind of Christ or pursuing Christ, my grace is really limited. And I've learned this even more since my family got a dog last year. <laughs> so... My, my, the rest of my family loves our dog and, and just shows endless grace to our dog Like dogs just ripping up the trash It's okay, it's just dog behavior Not to me <laughs> Not to me um, I, I have very limited grace God is really just testing it with me right now And, uh, you know, and I'm, you know I'm work, God's working on me You know, There are some days where I want to put her in the car Drive her out to the woods And just let her run and drive home but I haven't done that yet, so you can keep praying for me. But she's so cute! I know. She's yeah, she's cute. She's fluffy. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what makes it so hard, right? I mean... Um, but yeah, so God has really been working on me with that. Um, but man, we, we struggle with these words about grace because it just seems unfair sometimes. Like, we're just supposed to let people take advantage of us. We're supposed to let people hurt us. You know, what, is, what does this mean? And I think what it does is it points us to the depth that we've been forgiven. We have to understand the depth to which we've been forgiven. We need to live in the light of the fact that, that Jesus has forgiven us, and it wasn't cheap. That Jesus' forgiveness cost his own life, his own suffering, his own, his own blood— was what he was willing to pour out so that we could live in a state of forgiveness. It says this in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ loved us when we were his enemies, when we were against him, when we had no intention of reaching out uh, to, to God, to, uh, completely going in the opposite direction. Jesus died for us gave us grace, even when we in no way, shape, or form were looking for it or deserved it. That he bought our friendship with his own blood. While we're raging against him, he died for us. And because of that, we get to live and move and walk in the forgiveness of God. That's freedom. When we talk about our series being called Forgiveness and Freedom, knowing you're forgiven, knowing you've been released from any debt that God could hold against you, that's real freedom. That's true freedom. And so it doesn't mean that, that you, you experience God's forgiveness once and you check the box. We live in forgiveness every day. We continue to experience it daily. And it's vitally important that we understand how much we need forgiveness. I want to share this verse from 1 John. It says, If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. This is a really hard verse, but it's so important for us to understand. Like, we lived in a state of sin and because of the cross because of Christ we now live in a state of restored relationship with Christ oh, yeah. and that is forgiveness the gospel isn't just the entry point the gospel is the whole thing like we live in this news and John gives us this warning like if we think we don't need forgiveness we're calling God a liar he says the truth is not in us Because if we don't think we need forgiveness That means that we're calling ourselves good Another term for that is self-righteousness, right? If we think we're okay without God We're living a self-righteous life I was in a class one time With a guy named Rick McKinley And he he said, it kind of stopped everything for me But he once said, sin doesn't send people to hell Self-righteousness does That was one of those mic drop moments. Sin doesn't send people to hell. Self-righteousness does. Thinking you don't need to be forgiven. Thinking you're good apart from God. That's actually what does it. Because your sin can't separate you from hell. I mean, can't separate you from from heaven anymore. Sorry, I got to get these terms right, guys. I'm messing. It's like, what kind of whack theology is this guy preaching up here? Sin... Sin, uh, it's our sin, it doesn't, it has no hold on us. But if we say we're right, if we say we don't need a Savior, if we say we don't need Christ, that's what does it. That's what does it. So, forgiveness is not a box that we check and forget. It's a lifelong experience with God. It's a lifelong conversation with God. It's a lifelong uh, coming to God over and over again in conversation and confession And experiencing his grace over and over and over again. God is incredibly patient with us. God is incredibly patient and gracious to us. And we get to live in that grace and that patience of God because we're going to continue to have shortcomings and failures. We're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to make mistakes. We're going to continue to do all of those things. But in the same light, we live in a state of forgiveness where we can also continue to go before God. And the cross is never, n- n- never smaller than our sin. You know, it's never smaller than our sin. We can always come back to our Father. It's, and so forgiveness is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's something we walk in every day. And I don't think there's any place more clear than when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray here in the Lord's Prayer. And I, what I want to do is I want to read... The whole passage, because he contrasts how we shouldn't pray before he tells us how we should pray. And when he talks about how we, how we should pray, he's talking about self-righteous people. He's talking about um, the Pharisees um, who pray to be seen. And then he contrasts that with the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, as some say it. And this is Gen- oh, Genesis. This is, John. this is not John either. Uh, this is Matthew 6, 5. All right. Um, Yeah. Give me a second, guys. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. at the end of his prayer. If there's anything Jesus wants to clarify at the end of his prayer, it's how important forgiveness is. That if you live in a state of forgiveness, that needs to be extended to those around you. That if you've been forgiven, that must equal forgiveness to others around you. Grace for those in the world. And there's only one task I see on this list. When he says, you know, Pray to your Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. But then there's one task that is like a prerequisite. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Have forgiven. It's past tense. And that's challenging. It's past tense that we need to live in a state of forgiveness where we release people from the debts that we hang on to. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, let's just talk really simply what that means. All right, what it really means and what, how, it, how Jesus even phrases it here, forgiving people their debts, right? That means we're not holding on to the, the wrongs or, or the, uh, yeah, the wrongs committed against us. That means in our heart, we've released it. What this, what this passage can do it send us into a panic attack where we have to go down a call list and call everybody that we think we may have wronged in the past. I'm just here to tell you that might not be possible, right? This is a heart condition. Have I released these people in my heart? Have I released these people from any debt um, that, 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 they have, uh, that they owe me anything? Um, have I released that to, to Jesus and have I brought that to the cross, is really what it's saying, is that in our hearts we've released, we're releasing um, people from our bitterness, from our anger, from our rage, from our envy, whatever it might be, we're releasing that um, to God. We're allowing God to be the justice bringer for our own lives, right? We're trusting God to be at work, that He would be the one to bring justice and restore And forgiveness is so fundamental in following Jesus. What we see throughout Scripture is that we actually need to prioritize it even before we go to worship or go to pray. We see that even before we go to worship or go to pray within our own church, within the people that we're close to, we need to prioritize forgiveness. A little bit earlier in this sermon, uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come offer your gift. Jesus is like, hey, if you really want to worship me, like, worship me by having the courage to, f- to, to fix a problem between you and your brother and sister. Right. Let's let's worship in unity, in true unity, not in, not in fake unity. In true unity, if there's anything that we need to talk about, if there's if there's a slight, if there's a insult, if whatever it is, then let's work that out before we come and worship God. Let's make sure that we are, are loving each other like Christ would love us. And uh, we we uh, we we do need to. to Address anything that we have between each other because we can't think that we're above that for some reason Right, sometimes I get distracted on YouTube. Hopefully I'm not the only one in here <laughs> That gets distracted on YouTube, but some of the videos I like to watch are um, Some you probably think this is really dumb, but there's sports videos out there called beef history All right. I don't know if you've seen these but they basically track uh, beefs like arguments that, that different uh, players or sports figures have had that have lasted for decades and decades. And so you're watching like a six-year-old Larry Bird or, or uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about how much they dislike this person. And they, they're holding on to these, the, these beefs for years and years and years. And, and we think, man, that's, that's sports. They got egos. You know what? We got egos too, okay? Can we just be honest? We have egos. All of us have egos. And so we need to be aware. If there are beefs that are brewing, if we're cooking some beef, we need to be, wor- we need to be working that out. We need to be humble enough to say, hey, this kind of bothered me. Can we talk about it? God wants us to talk to each other. Like, hey, I, I felt like you were really inconsiderate here. That's okay to say right? Like, God's not saying, hey, you need to be a really nice church all the time, never have any conflicts with each other. Your church life is just going to be roses and and dandelions. I, I don't know why I said dandelions, but you get the idea, right? Cupcakes, maybe. I don't know. But it's not always going to be easy. We are going to have times where we just need to be honest and say, hey, uh, you know, I feel, like, I, I, I feel like there's something we need to talk about here. I feel like, you know, you were talking down to me. I feel like, Um, you were inconsiderate, whatever it might be, like, it's so good to talk about those things, and man, I love it when, when, when you and others are open with me um, about, man, I'm really, I really had a hard time when you said this, or um, I'm really struggling with this, or that means, like, hey, you actually care about, like, our relationship and the health of the church, like, I really, I'm thankful for that, Um, When you're open and honest voice concerns, like, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, Because what can happen if we don't voice that? Well, usually it comes out somewhere, right? And yeah, if you, if you stuff something, it's going to come out eventually. It may not come out to the person you need to talk to. It might come out to someone else, Right. And 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 that's not what we need to do. We need to be able to directly communicate with each other, right? Like God wants a church that's open and honest and working through things. And uh, and yeah, I just want to take it another step. Let's step into family relationships. Um, it says this in First Peter three seven. It says. Uh, Peter says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I don't want to explain all of that verse, okay? I, I, it was, like I just realized, oh, that could be opening a can of worms. We're not going to explain it all, okay? <laughs> it's in here. It's in here. What I wanted to focus on is prayers being hindered. So if husbands are insensitive to their wives, if they're not listening to their wives, if they're not prioritizing their wives, what does it say? It says your prayers may be hindered. Okay, like God might not listen to you. I get this picture of like the Marvel movie where, you know, Chris Pratt is holding a gun and he pulls a trigger and bubbles come out. You know, that's how I envision our prayers when we're not, like, loving our families well. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, they're just—it literally means thwarted. Like, your prayers are thwarted. They have no power. Like, God cares so much about how we treat our family, how well we treat our church, uh, our brothers and sisters in the church. You see these layers of relationship and we've talked about the other stuff from this verse before, but we'll talk about it later, okay? We'll say that for, for another day. Or we can grab coffee, okay? We can always grab coffee and talk through those things. Um, but yeah, we just can't forget about forgiveness. It has to be interwoven into our lives. It has to be in our DNA as disciples. is this like we, we live in a state of forgiveness. We can't be a true disciple without experiencing forgiveness and extending forgiveness to others. That's why out of all the statements from the Lord's Prayer, Jesus circled back on his statement on forgiveness. Notice that he didn't circle back on anything else. He didn't circle back on kingdom. He didn't circle back on daily bread. He didn't circle back um, on temptation. He circled back on forgiveness. He said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Are you living in that state of forgiveness? Are you operating in forgiveness? And that's why we have to emphasize it so much. That's why we have to emphasize it, because it is a huge deal to God. God is all about reconciliation, because He loves us, and He wants us to live in redeemed and restored relationship. Like, if you could do anything for God, He wants you to forgive, right? He wants you to practice grace in your life. And that doesn't mean that we forget what's happened to us. doesn't mean we forget the pain. We just live like we ignore that part of it. It doesn't mean that we don't have scars. And it doesn't mean that forgiveness is easy. But it is the primary work of being a follower of Christ, is forgiveness. And it is work. It is work. It's not easy. Someone said forgiveness is never easy, but it's always possible. And I think that's true. So what does that look like? This is a prayer of daily forgiveness. This is a prayer of forgive me what I've done as I'm forgiving those who have wronged me. This is something that we choose every day. We choose to to live in the grace of God every day. And so every day as we pray this prayer, we need to evaluate in our hearts, like, am I resenting someone? Am I bitter about something? Um, Am I envious? Am I angry at something. God, what work do you need to do here in my heart? And is there anyone that I need to reach out to? Do I need to have coffee with someone? What do I need to do? How can I get rid of this resentment? And so much of it is just giving that over to God. But there are going to be times where we need to talk things out. So this is my main point today. Just something to take home is that forgiveness isn't a footnote to the Christian life. It's the foundation. It's where we start. That's why we can't forget it. How, if, the church, if the church majored in forgiveness, how might that change the world, right? If we were—every story of radical forgiveness is, like, the most powerful story I've ever heard. Like, if, if uh, you know, I, I went to—at um, my school, there was a couple there who were from Rwanda and lived through the Rwandan genocide. And they said, um, now I, I go to church, and I sit side by side— with or people sit side by side with people who murdered members of their family. There's nothing more powerful than that. Like nothing shows the the love and crazy crazy goodness of God like that kind of reconciliation. You know, we have our beefs, but there are major things that that w- w- ways in the in the past that the church has has shown the world what forgiveness looks like and and if we can major on that and major uh, on that as our foundation I think it would change the world around us because that's how Jesus changed the world right by forgiving us that we would repent and turn to him it's the foundation We build on that foundation, right? We build on that foundation. We are forgiven so that now we can forgive. Now we can walk in truth. Now we can become who we have always been meant to be, right? But it's that freedom that only forgiveness can bring. Only forgiveness can free that from your heart. And so this morning, as we close, I just want to take time to pause and personally reflect uh, this, this question. Where do you need help choosing grace? Because I'll be the first to admit, like, there are people in my life that I'm afraid to re-engage. You know, there are people in my life that I probably need to have a conversation with, but, but I have fear. Um, there are people who probably have some bitterness towards me that I need to call and check on. Um, there are pl- places in my life where I need to seek resolution. And as I was going through this, I was like, yeah, I do. And I don't know what that looks like right now, but I do. And I just want to end on this quote from Brian Zond. And uh, he says this. It's really powerful. He says, The past cannot be fully undone. Every wrong cannot be made right. What can happen is reconciliation. Not cheap reconciliation, but the costly reconciliation based on repentance and grace. We need to know that, that the past, we can't change the past. We can't undo every wrong. It's still there, and the, the, the pain of which will stay with us. But we can seek reconciliation. We can live in restored relationship. The cross is what Jesus used to break the power of evil in the world. Right? He didn't do it with an army he did it with a cross, with his own life, with his own blood. That's how Jesus changed the world. And in that victory, you also have the power to reconcile with others in your life. And so I want to encourage you this week to seek that out, to run down the list. Are there people that I need to talk to? Who do I need to pray for? What relationships um, are, are, uh, are broken in my life? What are people that I need to pray for? Like Brian talked about loving your enemies last week. Are there people in my life I need to pray for? Is there people I need to take to coffee? <laughs> what do I need to do? Yeah. And maybe that reminder, it starts with prayer. Like just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what you need to do yeah. to show you who you need to talk to. I'll tell you, it's, it's humbling to be on the receiving end of forgiveness. Um, I was on the receiving end of forgiveness. Um, When I worked in nonprofit, uh, there was a pretty messy situation. I had to let someone go, and it wasn't—I didn't do it well. I'll just say that. I was new to the job. I didn't do it well, and I wasn't super graceful. And I'm going to spare all the details. (laughs) Um, But six months later, I got a call from this person like, hey, can we meet? I was like, sure, I'd love to do that because for six months, it had just been kind of hanging out there. And so we met, we had coffee, and they expressed, hey, I just want you to know, like, I've forgiven you. And this is what God's done in my life since that happened. Like, He had a plan in it. He had a purpose. And by the end of the conversation, we were talking like friends again. And I'll never forget that experience of forgiveness. Like, it was such a tough experience, but being able to sit with this person and having them extend forgiveness to me for, for me being inconsiderate it was pretty amazing. And I grew because someone was willing to be honest with me and share. I grew because somebody was willing to say, like, hey, this hurt. It really hurt. But I forgive you. And that was, that was powerful. And that's how God changes the world through restored relationship, through forgiveness. It isn't something that we can afford to overlook. It's the main work of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so what I want to pray for right now, as the worship team comes up, is just courage for all of us. It takes courage to walk in forgiveness, to to, uh, to extend forgiveness, to make those calls. And so let's, uh, let's do that. God, we, um, Lord, we just pray that you would give us the courage to forgive others. Lord, the courage... Uh, to forgive and also ask for forgiveness when we need to ask for forgiveness. Lord, I'll be the first to say we I don't uh, get everything right. Lord, I am a sinner. Paul even said I'm the chief of sinners. Lord, we want to admit that that's who we are. That we make mistakes. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in a state of forgiveness where we are experiencing restoration in our lives and in our relationships because of what you did at the cross. Lord, do that work. And this week, as we pray, bring our minds to where they need to go, whether it's a a person or, or something in our life, God. Would you just show us our step of forgiveness? Lord, would you allow us to walk in a state of grace?